Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. Turn to Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20 and 21. And um, hopefully, I'll finish it today, but if I don't, then I'll continue next week. I want you to really pay a, a close attention, those of you who are serious about prayer and who really want your prayer life to be strong so that you connect with God and you are able to hear his heart and flow with his spirit and grow in the faith. Jude 20 verse, sorry, Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want to read it in another version, the Amplified Version, and it says this. No, in fact, I read it in the Good News Version. It says this. But you, my friends, keep on building yourselves up on your most sacred faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ in his mercy to give you eternal life. There are four elements here that teach us about how we build ourselves in our faith. First of all, praying in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, keeping ourselves in the love of God. And thirdly, sorry, the three. And thirdly, looking to the coming of our Lord, looking to his coming, looking to him for mercy um, until he returns. These three dynamics are very important in the life of every believer. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, and looking at the fact that Jesus is going to return one day for you. But what I want us to focus on is this area of praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about praying in the Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind? Anybody? Speaking in tongues. Anybody else? Sorry? Speaking the truth to him. Good. Anyone else? Who said that? Joseph. Okay, my wife said Joseph. <laughs> uh. That's very good. We'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll. <laughs> I thought that was a serious contribution. Well, I suppose it is. Anyway, <laughs> praying in the Holy Spirit is simply allowing the Holy Spirit to influence how we pray. That's really it. Praying in the Holy Spirit is allowing him to influence how you pray. It is you yielding your spirit, soul, and body to him when you are praying so that he can pray through you the perfect will of God. It is you yielding your spirit, your soul, your body to him so that he can pray through you God's perfect will. It is you allowing the Holy Spirit to take the lead in how you pray, whether you're using your understanding or you are using your spirit. So, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion? 
I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing, also sing with the understanding. Now, these verses teach us that you can pray using your understanding, and you can pray using your spirit. And there are two different ways of praying. When you pray with your understanding, it's literally when you are praying, you understand what you're saying. You're using your mind, you're using your reason, your intellect to talk to God. But when you're praying with your spirit, he says you don't understand what you're saying. You are using your human spirit and you're speaking to God in, in words or speaking to communicate with God in ways that does not benefit your understanding. So, what we understand from this is that both ways of, of praying are legit and both ways of praying is you praying, but one you will understand and the other you will not. So when a person is praying in tongues, this is very basic, but it's important we, we get it. When they're praying in tongues, they would not understand with their mind what they are saying. It will be unintelligible to them. So when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we do the praying, but he steers or guides our heart in the direction that we should pray. Now, this is very, very important. We're talking about the disciple and his prayer life and specifically praying in the Holy Spirit because this is a very important element in you building yourself up. These three areas, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, and looking to the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, these three elements are very important in the life of any Christian who wants to grow and be strong in their faith and make an impact for God as God has ordained. Your prayer life is very, very important. Very, very important. I'm going to say something that's very controversial, and I hope you don't misunderstand me, but I believe with all my heart that a person's prayer life is even more important than them reading the Bible. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Bible. I believe the Bible is important. And everything we do must be measured by the Scriptures. But I believe that if a Christian is not connected to God through prayer, whatever they are reading will really not benefit them the way God intends. Prayer is literally the lifeblood of every believer. And this is why the enemy fights your prayer life. You will be surprised what you have time for compared to when it comes to prayer. Most people are convinced they are too busy to even give God one hour a day. And yet you will find you can give everything else more than an hour. But when it comes to the time we spend with God, somehow... When we do one hour, we think we've done something really great. So, when we are praying in the Holy Spirit, he guides our heart, but we are doing the prayer. And every child of God has the potential to pray in the Holy Spirit because as children of God, we have the Spirit of Christ within us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says... But you are not in the flesh, 
but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, you are not supposed to live out of the of your of the Holy Spirit influencing your human spirit but now look at verse verse 14 and 15 for as many as are led by the Spirit of God these are the sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba father now again Come back to verse 9. He says in the second portion, Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So he says, Dwell in the flesh and the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, and does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what he's teaching us is this. By virtue of our union with Christ, we have the spirit of God. Spirit of Christ. Now, it's a bit theological, it's a bit technical, but just stay with me. When you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwelt you because Jesus Christ came and lived in you. That's what he's saying. So the Spirit of Christ is in us, and because of that, the Holy Spirit is also in us. However, he also says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these sons of God. In other words, the sons of God, or those who reveal themselves to be the sons of God, are those who have learned to be guided by the Spirit of God. It implies this. You can be born again, but never live in the reality of your sonship. The fact that you are a child, you never really live out the fact that you are a son of God because you don't allow the Spirit of God to guide you. You don't allow him to influence you. And sometimes people have a mystical view of the leading of the Spirit of God as if they have to achieve a certain level of spirituality in order to be able to recognize the leading of the Spirit of God. But it's wrong. When you're born he you influences your conscience. In fact, he cleanses your conscience. Your conscience is alive to God, and you are able to know this wrong, and you're able to know his will. And that is why many times you will find you can be somewhere, the guy can be speaking really well, and yet they will say something, and you think, mm, your spirit will check you. But most Christians ignore that check because it must be true, the pastor is saying it, or it must be right because so and so is doing it. And because of that, they allow their flesh to dictate instead of the Spirit of God influencing them in what decisions they make. Now, coming back to what I'm trying to say is this. When you are praying, the Holy Spirit wants to influence how you pray and what you pray about. He desperately wants to do that. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verses 26 to 28. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. And here, we're going to look at the need for us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit when we pray. In Romans 8, verse 26, it says this. Likewise, 
The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Many times, people quote this verse in isolation. All things work together for good. In fact, they don't even quote the whole verse. They just say, all things work together for good. But that's not the verse. The verse is, and we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. By the way, things does not work together for good for everyone. Are you You say, how can I say that? Those in hell, it's not working together. You think it's for their good. They wrote it. It ain't working for anyone's good there. It's for those who love God and they are the called according to his purpose. It's people that is working together for their good. But here's the point. That verse, you can quote it in isolation of its context and it's great as a child of God. It's good to do that. But that verse... It's not in isolation. It's within the context of prayer. And let's look at it. The first thing I want you to notice in this verse is this. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. So the first thing is this. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Any kind of weakness, generally speaking. But now he's addressing a specific kind of weakness. But what I want you to notice is the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. Say to your neighbor, he helps you with your weakness. Say to your neighbor, he helps you with your weakness. So any weakness you have, generally speaking, the Holy Spirit actually helps us. What I have discovered is most of us never allow him to help us because we like the weakness. We don't want the weakness to go. We want the weakness. Are you still here? I'll give you a good example. When you're fasting, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You are fasting and you feel like breaking it. How many of you have ever been there? You feel like breaking it. Now, I tell you, try this next time you feel like breaking it. Quote the scripture. Man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not breaking it now. Lord, give me strength. You won't break it. But the issue is whether you want to quote the scripture. After all, this um, pe- pecan nut pie or this, this pie, any pie, <laughs> needs to be devoured by my belly. All right. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Second point is this. Our weakness is demonstrated by our inadequacies in prayer. Very important point. You see, remember I said, prayer is the lifeblood of every Christian. And so, that is the area that the enemy will attack the most. It's that, that area. In terms of what we physically do with ourselves, your prayer life, I'm telling you, is the area the enemy will attack the most. Because he knows. 
If you begin to have a healthy dynamic with communicating with your God, then in one sense, it's over for him. Because it's just a matter of time before every hold he has over you is removed. He knows that. He knows that. So, this area of weakness um, that the Holy Spirit is highlighting in this verse, our weakness demonstrated by our inadequacies of prayer, comes out like this. We do not know what we should pray for or how we should pray. He says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So not only do we not know what we should pray for, we don't know how we should pray for it. So, you see, again, let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer is communication with God. It is you interacting with God. And there isn't one way of interacting with God. Remember, God is an infinite being of, of intelligence and complexity. And he may relate to you one way today and another way tomorrow. There are times in my walk with God and in my times with God where the Lord wants to talk to me or talk with me as I go out for walks. There are other times as I'm on my knees. There are other times as I'm on the floor. There are other times as I'm sitting down. There are other times as I am playing a game. There are, yes. There are other times... There are other times as I am dialoguing with people. There are so many ways in which God wants to communicate with me. Sometimes if you're, as I'm watching television, he may want to tell me something. Or as I'm talking with someone, he may want to tell me something. Now in my times with him, my set times with him, even in that dynamic, it's not always the same. For instance, my set times with God on a Monday are very different to my set times with God on a Sunday. Because on a Monday, I have pour, literally been pouring out all of Sunday. So on a Monday, he doesn't want me pouring out. He wants me to receive and receive and receive. So if I approached him like I would on a Sunday, on a Monday, he would, I wouldn't have anything. So on a Monday when I'm talking with him, often there's a lot of silence and there's a lot of receiving. And there's a lot of uh, just receiving, receiving. But then there are other times when I'm about to minister, there's a lot more communication and then there's a lot more revelation that I receive about what I'm going to say. And the reason why that is, is because our prayer life is dynamic and is supposed to be influenced by him. We don't know how we should pray and we don't know what we should pray for. There are times when I'm praying, I'm very demonstrative. Other times when I'm praying, I'm very still because that's what he wants. All of that is important. And that is why many of us find it difficult at times to pray. Because we've been used to praying a certain way. Yeah, ba, 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 ba. And then when we try it, yeah, ba, ba, it just feels stale. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Hey, you don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, you holy people. You, you're trying the same technique. Ba, ba, and it's not, it's not flowing. Ba, 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 yeah. Because that's not what he wants from you. Are, you. are you listening? So he says... We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. And also, another thing I want to mention about this is this. Often, the thing we want to pray about is not necessarily what he wants 
to talk to us about or he wants us to pray about. So you find sometimes this will happen. We have our list. So I pray for the church. Then I pray for England. Then I pray for the queen. Then I pray for my mother. Then I pray for my wife. I pray for the children. Then I pray for the prime minister. I pray for the bishop. Then I pray for the resident pastor. Then, but really, I want a wife. So I want to get through the list and get to the big one, a wife. Because that's where I really want to pray and cry. And, and I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been waiting for all these years. But you know, it's not right to pray for myself first. You know, so let's, let's not be selfish. Have you heard that? Nonsense. It's a nonsense teaching where they teach that if you're praying for yourself, it is selfish. It's not even scriptural. I am telling you something very important that how God wants us to pray, each moment is as He influences us. Now, we talked about the priority of prayer, of what needs to be in our hearts in terms of how we reverence Him, how we prioritize His kingdom, etc. It's not so much this is the order you must pray. It's this is the order of priority that must be in your heart when you are praying. Now, the reason why sometimes the Spirit will lay a specific issue on your heart to pray about is because when that issue is dealt with, your order of priority will be right. God first, his kingdom second, his will, etc., etc., even forgiving people. It's so important. It's so important for you to understand that the Spirit helps us with our prayer pointers and with how we should pray. Say to your neighbor, he helps you how to pray. Yeah. The third point I want you to notice is this. The Spirit makes intercession for us with inarticulate speech. With inarticulate speech. Now, this point is a very important point. He says, in verse 26, the last part, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The way it's translated, when you read it, makes it look like it's something going on in the spiritual realm. So the spirit is, as he's brooding, there's some kind of going on in the spirit. And that is the way he's praying. It's not like that. What he's saying is, the spirit prays through us in such a way that words, no more words, phrases, cannot, compo- cannot contain it. This is why, and we're going to jump ahead, but this is why it is so important for you to be able to pray with your understanding, but also with your spirit. Now notice how I am phrasing it. I'm saying with your understanding and also with your spirit. So now let me explain to you how you pray with your understanding. Very simple. If I'm praying with my understanding, I only understand two languages properly, English and Chi. So most of the time I pray my first language, which is English. What? What do you think I'm going to say? If you, can't you recognize an Englishman when you see one? What is your problem? So, What's your problem? God speaks to me most of the time in English. So I respond in the language. What's your problem? 
I don't know why you're looking at me. People listening to this message, I don't know what's wrong with this congregation. They're laughing. I don't know what's wrong with them. Huh. You should, this is an English man. Don't I look English? <laughs> at times I get people say, where are you from? Lambeth. No, no, where are you from? London. No, 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 but where are your parents from? Well, if you want to know where my parents are from, why are you asking me where am I from? Well, know where my parents are from. I'll tell you where they're from. Kibi. I'm from Lambeth. I was born in St. Thomas's Hospital, mate. I've grown here most of my life. So that's where you from? Oh, uh, uh, well, actually, my roots are from Germany. Oh, well, you want to know my roots? Oh, my roots? Ghana. Ghana. Ghana, Ghana. But I'm from Lambeth. I only have one passport, British. Don't want any Ghanaian passport, don't need it. Yeah, I don't know if that insults your sensibilities, but I'm British and I'm English. Let's move on. So, I only know two languages. English and Chi. Most of the time, when I use my understanding, it's in English. So I talk to God with English because that's my first language. Once in a while, I will give him a tree. I said, I didn't. And then go back to English. That's like, Lord, what's going on? Why? That's tree. And then go back to English. Oh, Lord, you know, I don't get it. But now when I'm praying with my spirit, it's not English and it's not tree. It's kadabariaka. And once in a while, what does that mean? I don't know. It's my spirit. I'm going to show you what happens with your spirit. Everybody uses their spirit at certain times. I'll give you an example. You're walking and you, ah! That's your spirit. What your spirit is saying, oh my goodness, that's very, very painful. It really hurt me. But of course, you can't put that, the information to the brain's overload. So the language that comes out is, now, ah can have several meanings. Ah can be, I just bang my head. Ah can be an expression of pain, pleasure. Ah can be an expression of excitement. Isn't it? Look at, you're looking at me. But that all came out of your spirit. Not here. Came out of your spirit. So you see somebody whose spirit is disrupted and frustrated. Do, that's your spirit. But when you get born again, what happens is, because the Holy Spirit indwells your spirit, he gives you a language to talk to God with. So when you begin to pray with that language, because he indwells your spirit, what is being spoken to God is perfect. God gets it. That's why you find most people's prayer language sounds the same most of the time. Now, to you, it sounds like shandalalabalalaba. Shandalalaba. Of course, I've slowed it up. Shandalalabalalaba. Shandalalabalalaba. I've slowed it down. But for them, it's shandalalabalalaba. It's shandalalabalalaba. It's shandalalabalalaba. Now, to you, it looks stupid. But with them and God, it's amazing. Yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm. Holy Ghost. 
Angels. Because might mean, oh Lord, give me strength. And then might mean, oh Lord, destroy them. And might mean, oh Lord, break the heavens open. And might mean, oh God, I'm yours. It depends on what the spirit is doing with that person. It's so important you understand. So that's why he says he prays with inarticulate speech or with words that cannot be uttered. Different versions put it like this. One version says it like this. Let me see if I can find it. He prays, sorry, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to pray. The Spirit himself pleads with God for us in groans that words cannot express. Another version says, for example, we don't know what we sh- God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Amplified Version says it like this. The Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. But now look at the next verse in the Amplified. He says, and he who searches the heart's of men knows what, the, what is the mind, in the mind of the spirit, what his intent is. Why? Because those groanings and those yearnings are being expressed through you and I. So when they come, the spirit is influencing us with, with inarticulate speech, and God is looking at our hearts to decode what the Spirit is talking to him about. So he looks in your heart to find out what the Spirit of God is talking to him about. We'll come back to this a little bit later. What point are we on? Help me with the time, please. What point are we on? Going to four. Is that all? The Spirit makes intercession for us through us. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is I've just said that point. Basically, when you are praying, the Holy Spirit is praying through you, many times for you, other times for other people. And God, searching your heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Fifth point, the Spirit makes perfect intercession on our behalf. He says, because, this, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is why, even sometimes when you're praying in English or in your native language, sometimes your praying will not make sense to you. Many times, when I want to know the secrets of people's lives, I start praying for them, first of all, in the spirit. So I pray for you in tongues. You are in my mind, in my heart, and I'm praying. I'm just praying with you in mind. Then I begin to pray with my understanding. Lord, I pray for so-and-so. And then as I'm praying for so-and-so, I notice how my heart is going about that person. And then I begin to understand what they're going through. Because the Spirit knows all things. Are you still here? This is why it's so important to pray under his influence. When, when, when we are praying for certain things, 
of for individuals and in certain situations, sometimes we literally can see what's going on. Sometimes I have meetings with people, and before I meet them, I will talk to the Lord about the meeting to understand why they want to see me. And so at times, not always, so don't get scared, but at times, before they are, we meet, I know what the meeting's about. Now, I won't let them know that because you don't want to be a show-off, do you? <laughs> but we will talk to the Lord. And so when they begin to talk, I am able to help them. It's not information so that I can show them up. It's information so that I can help. Many times, many times that happens. And you can operate the same. It's not because I'm a pastor. This was happening way before I was a pastor. I don't know if she's here. Is Zelda here? Is Zelda here? She would tell you the first time Zelda, it was Petrina who arranged the meeting. The first time Zelda ever met me, Petrina arranges meeting for me to meet her friend. I said, don't tell me anything. Don't want you to tell me anything. So what I did was I just spent an hour spending time in prayer and I wrote down everything that was going on in her life. Do you remember? Everything that was going on in her life. I wrote a whole thing down. So when she came, because she was ready for me. She was ready. So when she came, I just said, read that before you say anything. And then that was it. And that's how we became very good friends. That was it. She, read, she whoa. Then I showed it between us. <laughs> she was just happy. <laughs> yeah. You, I wasn't a pastor then, you can operate that same way because the same spirit is inside of you. That's it. It's not a big deal. It's just that we don't realize what God has done in us. It's not a big deal. It's not, it really is not, say to your neighbor, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And the sixth point, the spirit causes all things to work together to our advantage through his intercession. So now, that Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I want you to see this verse in another version. In the Amplified, it says, we are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to, to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. You see, all things work together for your good because of how you allow the Spirit to pray through you. And because of how you allow, or because of how the Spirit prays through other people. Christians, we like to think that it's fate. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. You know, if God wants me in heaven, I'll go. If he wants me in hell, I'll go. You know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. It's, it's, it's not so. It's not so. What you need to understand is because all things are working together for your good, keep praying. You may not understand why you pray the way you pray. You may not like sometimes the fact that you keep praying on, happen on the same issue. Keep praying. Keep praying. Because I tell you, everything is working together for your good because you love him and you are the call to his purpose. And so you will find that many times you go to pray 
and there is something that comes on your heart. How many of you know that? But it's not what you want to pray about. How many of you know that? You go to pray, you, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing, I need a job. So I'm coming, I want to pray about the job. But all you can think of is the person you just had a big argument with. No, 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 we, we don't want to talk about them. They're just nonsense. They just do me anything. Lord, I need a job. And they just keep coming in your heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That is the, that is the key to their job. The argument must be resolved properly. That's the key. All right, so I'm going to conclude, and I think I have to complete, com- conclude this next week. I'm going to conclude today. Um, so, how to pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit? The first thing is, of course, you must be born again. John chapter 3, verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Except a man, kingdom of God, sorry. Except a man be born of the water and spirit, verse 5. Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. And that's most of us here, we've given our life to Jesus. That's wonderful. But now this second point is controversial. But to be influenced, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit in prayer completely, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's controversial. The reason why I'm saying this is this. We're talking about the disciple and his prayer life. We're not talking about Christian Life Fellowship member and his prayer life, or the Methodist and his prayer life, or the Baptist and his prayer life. We're talking about New Testament Christianity. Are you listening to me? Now, why am I saying this? You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Because... Even though you have received Christ and you are going to heaven and the Spirit indwells you, unless you experience his gift of speaking in other tongues, you will not be able to flow with him fully with your spirit. With your understanding, you might be, but not with your spirit, the way he wants to flow through. So at times you will feel to do things and you will say, (laughs) <laughs> no. How many of you have been in service and the service is going and you feel, you feel to just let go? <laughs> no. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anyone? You just hold back. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, releases your spirit so that you are so free in your spirit to express it. Now, We're going to conclude here, but just want to point out something to you. In the Bible, in the New Testament, anywhere people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we call the baptism or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, anywhere where people received it and where they described what took place, one of the things that took place was that they spoke in tongues. That's one of the things that took place. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, as the Spirit enabled them. He enabled them, but they did the speaking. This was the first experience. That was tongues of fire came from heaven, fell on all of them, sat on each one of them. It was amazing. It was really dramatic. There was a great wind that filled the place. Awesome. So most people think that's how it should happen to everybody, isn't it? So the Holy Spirit just helps us in Acts chapter 10. From verse 44, 
to 46, he says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That's an interesting phrase. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. These people hadn't even been baptized. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water? But I want you to see this. That these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. But notice, there was no wind. There was no cloven tongues as of fire. But yet, Peter said, they received it the same way we did. Why? Because it's not the manifestations that goes with how you receive. It is whether it's him or not. Are you listening? Just final one, Acts chapter 19, from verses 1 to 6. But really, in verse, read verse 1 to 6. But in verse, um, well, let me just tell you what happened. Paul meets certain disciples in Ephesus. He asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we have not heard so much as there being a Holy Spirit. He says, under what baptism did you believe? John's baptism. He said, John baptized the baptism of repentance, saying to believe on the one that was to come, which is Jesus. When they heard this, the scripture says they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And then look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. These are the three places in Scripture where he describes what happens after people receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. And in each example, they spoke with tongues and did something else. So what I'm trying to tell you is this is that if you want to be able to pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit completely, then this is a requirement, an important dimension in your experience. It doesn't mean you're not saved if you haven't received it. It doesn't mean you're not a real Christian. It doesn't mean you don't love God. It doesn't mean anything like that. It's just one of the great privileges that you have as a child of God. We will conclude this next week, God willing. Amen. I want the worship team to come. We're going to spend some time in the presence of God. We're going to pray into certain situations. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.